You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. On today's show, we will begin with the player-by-player evaluations of the Mets 2020 season, starting with Jacob DeGrom. The first half of the show, I will examine his numbers and his Cy Young case. And while it is not as great as it was the last two years, there is still a case to be made for Jacob deGrom to win his third straight Cy Young. So I'll talk about all of that. Then later on in the second half of the show, I want to examine Jacob deGrom and his future with the Mets. Is he going to be able to keep this up for the remainder of this contract and even beyond that? So we'll dive into that a little bit as well. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMarizeOnline.com. So Jacob deGrom finished this year with a 2.38 ERA, and you almost felt like that was high for deGrom, especially when you saw some of the other ERAs around the league. Trevor Bauer ended up winning the NL ERA title, at 1.73, and he won it by a pretty wide margin, which puts him as the front runner for the Cy Young. You Darvish had a 2.01 ERA, Denilson Lamette for the Padres had a 2.09 ERA, and DeGrom came in fourth. Now you go to FIP, fielding independent pitching. DeGrom had the second best mark in baseball at 2.26. You Darvish was at 2.23, was the best mark. And then the interesting stat is XFIP, which is expected fielding independent pitching, a statistic from Fangrass that estimates a pitcher's expected run prevention independent of the performance of their defense. XFIP is based on outcomes that do not involve defense, strikeouts, walks, hit by pitches, and fly balls allowed. According to Fangraphs, this is their best metric to evaluate a pitcher's value. And Jacob deGrom had the best XFIP in the National League at 2.46. Trevor Bowers was over 3. Now, you can look at XERA, which is a stat cast statistic, which is expected ERA. And while deGrom finished over the 90th percentile, he was farther down the list than a pitcher like Trevor Bauer. So if you want to pick and choose your metric, you can support the argument for a specific candidate. I think the top three in the Sion is ultimately going to be Jacob deGrom, Hugh Darvish, and Trevor Bauer, although Denilson Lamette has really good statistics from the Padres as well, so he will be in the mix, I believe. Corbin Burns got hurt at the end of the season for the Brewers. He had really good numbers, but now because he missed his last start, I think he might fade to the background a little bit. Also, I don't believe he has enough innings to qualify now for the ERA title or anything like that. 
So I think it'll come down to those four pitchers. I believe DeGrom, Bauer, and Darvish will get a majority of the votes because DeGrom will be helped from that East Coast bias that we sometimes see in award voting. Also, he has the reputation as the defending two-time Cy Young winner. Yu Darvish was on a really good team, had a really good record, and leads all pitchers in war, which some voters will appreciate. He was the only pitcher in the National League, according to Fangraphs, that reached a war of three. DeGrom had the second-best war at 2.6, and Bowers was third-best at 2.5. So you look at all these stats, and the one place where DeGrom really did separate himself was strikeouts per nine. He had 13.76 strikeouts per nine. That is by far the best mark in the National League. Trevor Bauer had the second best mark at 12.33. Those were the two pitchers in the National League that reached 100 strikeouts in this shortened season. DeGrom had the strikeout title at 104. Bauer had 100. Bauer, again though, leading the league in ERA, leading the league in whip. Denilson Lamette had a 0.86 whip. That was the second best mark to Bauer, 0.79. And DeGrom at 0.96 was the third best mark. So if you go by whip and ERA, and a lot of times those are the main stats that your casual voter is going to look at, Bauer is going to take the cake. Now if you look at the narratives, the case that would be made for DeGrom is he's been the best pitcher in baseball for two years, similar to what I said last week. I don't think he did enough to lose the award. I don't think that he had a bad enough season for you to stop his Cy Young streak when his numbers are still up there. And if you pick and choose between XFIP, strikeout per nine, war, he's right there to have won another Cy Young. And if you think they played a full season, I think DeGrom does distinguish himself as the best pitcher in the National League. But the biggest problem is the last start. If Jacob DeGrom went out in a game where the Mets were still mathematically in it, pitched seven shutout innings, and the Mets won, I think he's the Cy Young. Unfortunately, he went out against the Nationals, pitched five innings, gave up three runs, and two of those might not have even been his fault. You have the one where Wilson Ramos couldn't get down and block a pitch, a pass ball, scores a run. Then you had... The play where Dominic Smith couldn't make a catch going into the wall and ended up being inside the park home run. The solo home run that DeGrom gave up was on him. His high pitch count that knocked him out after five innings was also on him. But overall, he didn't do enough in that start. And Trevor Bauer, his lasting impression and why I think he will win the award was to start on three days rest when his team was gunning for the playoffs They needed as many wins as possible, and he struck out 12 and pitched 8 innings on short rest. I think that alone is enough to be considered the Cy Young in what is otherwise a crazy season. And for you, Darvish, in his case, his last start was 7 scoreless innings against the White Sox. I've seen the argument made about the divisions that these guys pitched in and how the NL Central was a little bit weaker when it came to offensive teams than the NL East, but to me, you have to pitch against who they put in front of you, and it's it's hard to look at Bauer or Darvish and discredit their season 
simply based on who they played against. I think that voters are going to vote based on whatever statistic they think is most valuable. If you're into advanced metrics, maybe someone like DeGrom gets the upper hand. If you are into war, you know that is the end-all, be-all. Who was the most valuable based on wins above replacement? Maybe it's Darvish or if you're traditional and you go by ERA and whip, it's Bauer. Also, obviously, Bauer is polarizing in baseball. You either love him or hate him. That could hurt him when it comes to a popularity contest in the voting. There's some media members that will just refuse to vote for him. And maybe that benefits someone like Darvish who's a little bit more mild-mannered and maybe he gets the edge. I think all of these guys are going to get first-place votes. I also think if you go down the line and you look at you know Corbin Burns for the Brewers or Max Free with the Braves, although he had a bad start to close out his season, Kershaw could get some votes just because you know, he's loved out in Los Angeles. I think there's going to be a widespread amount of votes. And who knows, something like that could end up benefiting DeGrom and maybe he still wins this award. Ultimately, I think this is his one year off and maybe he has a better chance winning his third Cy Young in 2021. We'll just have to wait and see. But the one thing I will say is Jacob DeGrom is not going anywhere. I think he has a lot of great years left. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like your mortgage or food. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything you could want from engine control modules to brake parts, tan lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and have it delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how'd you hear about us box, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com One of the craziest things that happened this year is Jacob deGrom hits the mound on opening day and you see 101 on the radar gun. 100, 100, 100. What is happening? Why is deGrom suddenly at 32 years old throwing harder than he ever has before? 2014, deGrom's rookie year, his average fastball velocity was 94.2 miles per hour. His average slider velocity was 87.6 miles per hour. 2015, those numbers went up to 95.6 and 90.2. 2016, they went down to 94 and 89.3. 2017, his fastball was at 95.2, slider at 89.3. Then his first Cy Young season, fastball at 96, slider at 91.1. Last year, fastball was up to 96.9. Slider at 92.5 miles per hour. And finally, this season, his fastball averaged at 98.6 miles per hour. And his slider was at 92.5 again. 
All of that is to say that Jacob DeGrom somehow is throwing harder now than he ever did before. He struck out 38.8% of the batters he faced this season. And that tells you that DeGrom's stuff continues to improve year over year. Now, I look at Justin Verlander as a pitcher who had the velocity and has found a way to keep it later in his career. He's an interesting test case because from age 23 through 30, he won a Rookie of the Year, an MVP, a Cy Young. He led the league in strikeouts three times, and in innings three times, and ERA once. He was a workhorse for the Detroit Tigers and one of the best pitchers in baseball. At age 31, he falls off a cliff. He had a 4.54 ERA. Then he had an injury plague season at age 32. I remember reading an article about Verlander and what happened. And over the years, his shoulder started to hurt, but it wasn't a shoulder injury. It was the rest of his body struggling, and he kept on adjusting his mechanics and overcompensating with that shoulder to the point that he was only topping out at times at 90, 91, 92 miles per hour. Then he got the right doctors in place, got the right people telling him what to do with his body, how to reteach himself his mechanics to what he was like, at his young age as a rookie of the year and MVP. And then he had a rejuvenation of his career. Once again, finished top three in the Cy Young three times and won it in 2019 at age 36. And was still topping out at 97, 98 miles per hour. So his ability to keep his velocity late into his 30s points to what Jacob deGrom could potentially do moving forward as he continues to add velocity with age. Now, Verlander, not the best example to some right now because he has to undergo or already did undergo Tommy John surgery this season. But let's also remember he never had Tommy John surgery and was just 12 innings away from 3,000 innings of mileage at the major league level. Jacob deGrom had Tommy John at the start of his career after he got drafted and isn't even at 1,500 innings pitch in his entire career professional career including the minor leagues so injury shouldn't be the biggest of concern with the Grom. obviously pitchers you never quite know but with Jacob DeGrom he has great mechanics and that is why he is throwing harder I remember during a game this year Steve Geltz talked about why DeGrom was throwing harder and basically with Jeremy Hefner the pitching coach they talked about it and because DeGrom is six foot four, he's lanky. He has a natural whipping motion with his great mechanics. Hefner told him to stop trying to throw hard. Because when he tries to throw hard, his muscles tense up and it doesn't get the natural whip reaction that causes that plus level velocity. If he just relaxes and trusts his mechanics, the velocity is going to come on its own. And we saw it this year with the average fastball at 98.6. This guy is suddenly getting better with age, and because of his mechanics, because he continues to do it year after year, I don't expect regression from Jacob deGrom. Maybe he goes back to the mean a little bit. I mean, it's hard to be the best pitcher in baseball for five, six seasons, but he's going to be an ace for the Mets. Throughout the life of this contract. I'm really not even concerned about that. He will turn 33 next June. 
He's under contract for two more seasons. Then he has a $30.5 million player option. If he picks that up, the Mets will have a club option on the following season for $32.5 million. I expect if DeGrom pitches well the next two years for the Mets and DeGrom to basically come to terms on a new contract extension when it's time for him to pick up that player option. Whether that's look, we'll guarantee your two options you opt in, we'll guarantee your club option, we'll add on a third year and a signing bonus, something like that. We've seen the Dodgers do this with Kershaw a couple times already in his career to keep him there for the long run. And the Mets are going to do the same with Jacob DeGrom. He's the type of player that's going to have his jersey retired, that is potentially Hall of Fame bound, that you want to keep in Queens throughout the rest of his career. And again, turning 33 next year, I really don't see why DeGrom can't pitch up until his 40s. I think he might have seven or eight more years left because there is no sign of regression because he has the mechanics and because he has the mentality. And if the Mets can become a winning organization, he's going to want to be part of that. And I really believe that this is a guy that is going to go to Cooperstown with the Mets hat on, and you hope that he gets the opportunity finally in 2021 to showcase his greatness in the playoffs. Because the one time he got there in 2015, he was outstanding. Maybe didn't have the best World Series start, but in that series against the Dodgers, they do not advance without Jacob DeGrom. And the Dodgers were probably the best team the Mets faced in that postseason. That's including the Royals, who won the World Series. But I do think the Mets really kind of squandered a lot of those games in the World Series. And if you just look at the rosters, that Dodgers team was probably better. And the Mets found a way to beat them in five games behind two brilliant starts from Jacob deGrom. If he gets back into October, he's only going to have more of those moments that will eventually go on that Hall of Fame resume. But if you want me to grade Jacob deGrom's season, A+, as always. He is the best pitcher on the planet. I will say it until I'm blue in the face. There's no one in baseball. Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, Trevor Bauer, I don't care what name you throw at me. Jacob DeGrom is the only pitcher I want on the mound. And it really is incredible to look back on his career now as we are watching someone hit marks that this franchise has never seen. And it's a franchise that's been blessed with incredible pitchers throughout its history, starting with the great Tom Seaver. Now in tomorrow's show, I'm going to get away from the player evaluations for a day. And I want to instead look at the Mets team needs going into next season. I'm going to focus on the position players tomorrow. What they could potentially do this offseason to make themselves a better, more well-rounded group heading into 2021. As always, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to rate and review. And you can always tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets.